بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل على سيدنا ونبينا وولانا محمد وبارك سورة اللقمان سورة نمبر 31 آية 28 أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ما خلقكم ولا بعثكم إلا كنفس واحدة إن الله سميع مصير After explaining the volume of knowledge that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed in his words in his kalimat in his creation that we cannot fathom nor can we encompass the knowledge that resides within every creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I use two words to explain that. One was the word shajara, the tree, and the other is the word bahar, or ma, water. If you just take those two realities that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created, And you focus on what they mean, what they give, the prolific creative nature of those two commodities and words, then we are overwhelmed just by those two. In this ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says something else, which is more amazing, as one thing leads to another, that as much as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's knowledge is voluminous, it is profound and deep, and it is without any shores, without any bed, rock, there is no sea, uh, floor, and there is just nothing there that can contain Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's knowledge. Because it is eternal. Allah then says that... Uh, We are able to help you contain this knowledge through one aqeedah, one understanding. And that is this ayah. مَا خَلْقُكُمْ وَلَا بَعْثُكُمْ إِلَّا كَنَفْسٍ وَاحِدَةٍ That your creation and then your resurrection all together, both, is nothing except one soul, one soul. Meaning, if you were to itemize everything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created in you, how you were created, where you were created, when you were created, and everything else that was needed in order for you to be created, and then you were to expand upon what it will take to recreate you on the Day of Judgment, then uh, you will be again at a loss to understand any of that. But for Allah, He says, it is nothing except kanafsin wahida. One soul, one moment, one person, and one event. Inna Allah sami'un basir. Indeed Allah subhanahu is the all-hearing and He is the all-seeing. So Allah's qudra, Allah's power, Allah's potency, 
Allah's abilities and Allah's knowledge are all summarized in one being, in one soul, one nafs, and in one moment. So Allah now brings about this hikmah through Surah Al-Luqman, the Surah of Hikam, this wisdom that uh, Allah, when He expresses Himself, expresses this eternity, this creativity, this uh, knowledge in such a way that we are not able to do so, even if we were to think about this for centuries and millenniums. This is how we see Allah as being the one who hears and the one who listens and the one who sees. So he hears everything and he sees everything. When you hear and see everything, then you're able to relate to everything and you're able to describe everything. If you don't know what something looks like underneath the surface, then you will see through a microscope and then you describe it. So the microscope allows you to describe something that is underneath the surface. And if you're not able to see something far away, then you use a telescope. So both the microscope and the telescope helps human beings describe what they would not be able to see or describe. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala needs no microscope, he knows, he knows no telescope. His knowledge is innate, it is eternal, and he is able to describe everything he sees and hears, because that's who he is. So through this you draw closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you know Allah more, you're closer to him through your knowledge. When you know Allah less, then you're not close to him. So now the quest for more knowledge when you read Surah Luqman you draw closer to him by not only knowing and understanding but also describing and this description of one soul is that the whole universe is contained in one being this is not the time and place to discuss that أَلَمْ تَرَ أَنَّ اللَّهَ يُولِجُ اللَّيْلَ فِي النَّهَارِ وَيُولِجُ النَّهَارَ فِي اللَّيْلِ وَسَخَّرَ الشَّمْسُ وَالْقَبَرِ كُلٌّ يَجْرِي إِلَى أَجَلٍ مُسَمَّى وَأَنَّ اللَّهَ بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ خَبِيرٌ Do you not see, O Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? When the Qur'an uses أَلَمْ تَرَ It is a proof of Allah's Closeness and proximity to Muhammad Who is being addressed when the Quran says Alam Tara? Muhammad Who is the Mukhatab? Who is the recipient of this? Rasulullah So it is a matter of honor, prestige, and a maqam, a status. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is putting the Prophet upon when he says, Do you not see? Or, Have you not seen? As in, Alam tara kayfa fa'ala rabbuka So you must understand what Alam tara means to the Prophet. This is different from what we discussed with Alam tara in ayah number 20. In the same surah previously, a few ayahs before this. Allah says, Alam Taraw. There the Mukhatab, the addressee is everyone else besides 
Muhammad and including him, that is the Ummah, the people who are reading the Quran, they are being addressed. Meaning this is something you should be aware of. So that is more of an instruction. When Allah says, Alam Tara, it is not an instruction. It is a gift. It's an honor. It's a status. Do you not see, O Muhammad, how this is? And so on. So you must appreciate the two modes of expression, the two terms of address. One is in the singular, and that is to Muhammad, who is the nafsi wahida mentioned in the previous ayah for those of you who are into knowledge, mashallah. Right. And when it's Alam Taro, it is the whole Ummah. That the whole Ummah must see this as a lesson, as an instruction. When Allah says Alam Tara, it is a maqam of hubb and fadila, ranking honor, prestige and closeness, proximity. Come here, I'll show you. Right. Come here and I'll show you. That's the approach we see in Alam Tara. Do you not see, O Muhammad how Allah inserts the night into the day? Yulidu means to insert. So you have a piece of paper and it's inserted into an envelope. So now what happens is that the night is inserted into the day as the day becomes an envelope around it. Olaja, Yulidu, it's in the wording. And this is what happens. If you see the pictures and images of how the earth spins and orbits, this is what happens. You see the sun, the, 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 the night and the day, inserting themselves into each other. And that's the Quran's depiction. So we say Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showed Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam this phenomenon. And then he inserts the nahar, the day, into the night. And this is perpetual. This is 24-7. Allah is doing this through his ability, his knowledge, his qudra, his potency, and everything else that he does. The effects of Allah's names and attributes are in the creation of the heavens and the earth. And we must see those effects through observation. Now we are able to observe that phenomenon through whatever means of science and technology available to us through the images of the satellites and what have you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showed this to Muhammad before that. And that's what I mean when I say Alam Tara is the process by which Allah shows Muhammad this phenomenon. وَسَخَّرَ الشَّمْسُ وَالْقَمَرُ and do you not see how Allah subhanahu wa now subjugates the moon and the star, the, the sun and the moon? The sun and the moon is subjugated, meaning they work in order, they work in sync, and they work in harmony. And this is the nidham, the system Allah subhanahu wa has created. Uh, for whom? For us. Each one of them, they move. And they orbit and they glide for a while. That is fixed. A term that is determined. That fixed determination may be computed and quantified 
by understanding the laws of physics and mechanics and then the other term is not quantifiable that is in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa in order for you to function on earth you may be able to calculate the sun as orbit and the moon's orbit and the earth's orbit and so on so that you regulate your time according to your needs and so on but the day of judgment when the sun and the moon and everything else in the heavens will stop orbiting and recoil into themselves and move the other way that it will be determined by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the knowledge of the Day of Judgment is not quantifiable. Knowledge of how to run the affairs of the world, as long as the world is running, that's quantifiable. So now with your Iman, you believe in both. That whatever we can quantify, we will. And whatever is in the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we'll leave there. We will not mess with that. Nor should we work in such a way that you want to call the Day of Judgment upon us. And that is the meaning of وَأَنَّ اللَّهَ بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ خَبِيرٌ Allah knows what it is you are doing. He is aware of your actions. In the sun and the moon they work and they orbit according to whatever plan Allah has. Okay, then the night and the day they insert themselves into each other. Then the last statement Allah says, Allah knows what you are doing. So what's the connection between the two? So you as the reader, you have to make the connection. What is the connection between human action and time, the sun and the moon, night and day? That human action will determine whether or not you will live or die. Whether or not you are participating and being actors in time and space. And Allah knows what you do. So there are actions that will contribute and lead to your destruction. And there are actions that will lead to your success. Allah knows who is doing what to help the environment, to help the ecology, to help the economy, to help the system of human beings run well. And Allah knows those who are destructive and they are now bringing upon them the day of judgment. Right. And this is how you, you reconcile the two. Otherwise it will be difficult for you to say that what is the link between Allah knowing what we do and the sun, the moon and the night and day. This is the link. The link is that human actions have an impact on how these things work. If you miss Salat, for instance, the Prophet said uh, that uh, whoever misses Salat al-Asr, Asr being time, مَنْ تَرَكَ Salat al-Asr فَكَأَنَّمَا وُوتِرَ أَهْلُهُ وَمَالُهُ Asr, Salat al-Asr, Asr means what? Time, right? And when the Prophet said that whoever misses Salat al-Asr, it is as if he has lost his wife and children and his wealth. So your missing asr is tantamount to you destroying time. No? So Allah knows what you are doing. So your actions and your good deeds and your bad deeds all have an impact on everything around you. And that is the meaning of kanafsi wahida wal soul.
in the previous ayah. Anyway, what I'm saying is that the Prophet ﷺ in so many hadith told us that if you do this, this will happen on earth, and if you do if you do this, this will happen on earth. So there are good deeds that will produce good results for you and your environment, and there are bad deeds that will produce bad results for you and for your environment. That is how Allah is aware, Khabir. He is aware of whatever it is that you are doing to either enhance the flow of time or destroy the flow of time. This is the hikam in Surah Al-Quran. ذَلِكَ بِأَنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ الْحَقُّ وَأَنَّ مَا يَدْعُونَ مِن دُونِهِ الْبَاطِلُ وَأَنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ الْعَلِيمُ الْكَبِيرُ This is because indeed Allah, He is the truth. He creates with the truth. He is Al-Haq. One of Allah's name is Al-Haq, the absolute truth and the absolute reality. وَأَنَّ مَا يَدْعُونَ مِن دُونِهِ الْبَاطِلُ Anything that you call besides Him is not the truth, it is Baatil, it is falsehood. Whatever truth there is in creation is through Allah, not without Allah. If you believe that Allah creates the heavens and the earth, the sun, the moon, the stars, the day and night and everything else, then you are with the truth because you are with the haqq, with Allah. If you believe otherwise, then you are not with the truth, you are with falsehood. And you believing in falsehood has a direct impact on you and people around you. And that is how we do not uh, accept any theory that leads to atheism or towards the destruction of the heavens and the earth by nature or by fate or just by chance. We believe it is Allah who is omnipotent and he has eternal knowledge of everything that is going to happen. And that is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala huwa al-aliyu, he is the most high and sublime. Ali is someone who is very, very high and lofty, beyond reach, Al-Kabir, the great, that his greatness is much greater than you, and your actions, your ideas, your theories, everything that it is that you stand for, Allah is greater than that, Al-Kabir. So here we see in these ayat, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala leading the reader of the Qur'an towards his names and attributes, and if you want to understand how Allah works and operates in the universe, in the cosmos, and appreciate that his names and attributes are what regulate everything that you see, you observe, and everything else. So, and this is one way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addresses the Prophet that come here, I want to show you how the cosmos works. Alantara. The first ayah. Which one? This one, ayah 29. Then he brings us down through Muhammad to our level, meaning to earth literally, and then he says again, Alam Tara. Don't you see, O Muhammad? Come here, I'll show you. This is how we work and how we operate on earth. We've shown you how we operate in the heavens, meaning especially at the time of Isra and Mi'raj, where Allah showed the Prophet his ayat his mu'ajizat, his uh, signs and his uh, you know, subjects and objects of creativity. Here in the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings us with him through this ayah. أَلَمْ تَرَ أَنَّ الْفُلْكَ تَجْرِي فِي الْبَحْرِ Don't you see, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that uh, 
the ship. Where's the ship? Tajreef is bahar. It runs on water. It runs in the sea. On the sea. Fil bahar. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, at, is showing Muhammad sallallahu that you think about how a ship runs. How a ship floats. How a ship glides. And how a ship cuts through the waves like a butter knife cutting through butter. That's in another ayah of the Quran. You are flying on a plane, in a plane, and you observe these tiny little things there on the ocean, tiny speck. And you see the magnitude of this ayah. Allah showed Muhammad without the aid of that. Come here. We'll show you. This is how it's done. So now you see this. Tiny little speck. Usually made of wood in his days, right? Now it is made of steel and whatever. In the time of the Prophet if you were to see this wooden structure made of simple wood with simple nails and whatever material they use in a sail. And uh, you observe that this, the, the, this man, this creation of Allah, believes that he can traverse this whole body of water with wood and a sail. Alam tara. Don't you see? Think about this. That who has given man this audacity to believe that he can navigate the open seas on a piece of wood with a cell a piece of cloth on top of it and then get from one place to another. Tajri fil bahar. It runs on water. You're supposed to drown. Right? You go into the sea and you drown. You gravitate. Man found a way to do this, meaning through Sayyidina Nuh. That art came from him. The ultimate ship is the ship that survived many storms. And that was made from wood too. We carried him on planks of wood and nails. Dusur means nails. The Ark of Nuh was not made from steel, Titanic made from wood, planks, wooden planks, alwah, wadusur, and nails. So now who gave man this ability? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying to Muhammad that look, in, in, in the heavens, you see the sun, the moon, and the earth, and that works because of Allah's power. Right? Allah's creativity, Allah's fadl. Man can only influence that in the negative if he behaves in the wrong way on earth. But on earth, man, Allah has given man the ability to think, and then through his thinking and his, his intellectual faculties, he now creates something that is phenomenal. And then he has the audacity to hope and to believe that he will survive this journey on a piece of wood, a thousand miles across the Atlantic, 2,000 miles across the Atlantic, or many thousand miles across the Pacific, or so many miles across this sea and this sea, and 
look from above anything. That's all it is. It's a, it's a piece of wood. And you're traveling the whole body of water. So Allah says, how does this ship, how does it flow? How does it run? So Allah says to Muhammad look, it runs through Allah's ni'mah. Because of Allah's ni'mah. Because of Allah's blessing. Allah did not give any other species this ability to create and then put things together and then to think and then to imagine and then to picture and on top of that to hope and then to believe. Very simple example, but it is very ingenious and brilliant and creative as the Quran's words are. Why? So that he may show you his signs. Now the Mukhatab changes. The one who has been addressed changes. In the beginning is Alam Tara. Don't you see, O Muhammad, O Muhammad Sassan, come here, we'll show you. And then when at the end he says, we have done this through our own ni'mah, liuriyakum, so that we may show you. So first is Muhammad Sassan has been addressed, and now it's other human beings who are being addressed. And now Muhammad Sassan, by default as a Nabi, he knows that everything runs through Allah's ni'mah. So we're not addressing him. Now we're addressing you. You need to follow the Nabi and also believe and observe that everything on earth runs through Allah's ni'mah. Allah is showing us his ni'mah, his ayat, and his mujizat, and his blessings so that we may benefit from our iman. For what? From our iman and faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his blessings. Meaning, the point is not that man does this. The point is man does this and observes Allah's ni'mah. There's a difference. If through science and technology we marvel, and we say, wow, this is amazing, that human beings have reached this level of discovery, and advancement and progress. That's only one part of the observation. What's the other part of observation? This is Allah's ni'mah. That completes the observation. Right? For a believer who believes in Allah and follows the thinking of Muhammad wasallam, he will say, Allah through his fadl has given man the ability to do this. That you can do a surgery in the embryo. Right? For instance, if you see that as an error. Oh man, Allah has given man the ability to travel so many distances this way and that way. But you must include Allah in it. If you don't include Allah in it, then you're just as bad as an atheist. And that your observation is incomplete. In fact, it is kufr. Right? So, for the Muslim, it must be subhanallah, alhamdulillah, Allah akbar, la ilaha illallah, that comes along with it. I don't mean culturally, I mean that you are independent thinker and you observe. And you don't need to go very far according to this ayah. You don't need to go find a science and technology. Just observe a ship on the sea. Observe a ship on the sea. See how Allah has given man 
this ability, this creativity, this productivity, then on top of that, the inner qualities that Allah speaks about previously, uh, ayah number 20, the apparent gifts and bounties and the inner gifts and bounties of thought, reflection, imagination, creation, hope, despair, fear, love, iman, faith, and so on. So you bring all of those back here into this one single observation that you don't need to be in the land of the high and mighty of the USA. You can be somewhere in Africa and you are crossing one river there. And in order for you to cross one river, you have a ferry and the ferry is made of wood. And how do you cross that river with all the waves and all the wind and the rain and all of that? And say, this is Allah's name. So it will apply to the Bedouin, it will apply to the African, it will apply to your astronaut who is up there somewhere, literally in the heavens. The ayah applies to everybody. Okay. What's the point? The point is bin'amatillah. It is Allah's ni'amah. It is not your imagination alone. It is Allah who gave you that ability and you're using that and you see that with amazement, and you then please Allah, then you worship Him. In fi shakur. Indeed, in that, all of that, there are so many signs for those people who are sabbar, resilient, and they persevere. Sabbar means from the word patient, but more than that, here it includes everything. Everything that comes with patience, through patience, and after patience, resilience, resolve, uh, attitude, positive attitude, and forbearance, persistence, and everything else that comes with sabr. So sabr gives you all of this, that you see everything to its term. When you want to say, I want to travel from here to there, then your sabr will say, I have to start the journey and finish the journey. That is a sabr. In time, you go all the way. Uh, and Shakur, once you've finished, then you are grateful. So Shakur comes after Sabr. Shukr comes after Sabr in matters of your determination, your enthusiasm, and your own willpower, and so on. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, in this ayah, meaning the ayah of the ship, uh, floating, sailing across the seas, there are many signs, many, many signs for those who are resilient and persevere and those who are grateful. So when you are resilient and you persevere, you persevere, you are dynamic and you are aggressive and you go all the way. You're brave. So these are the signs, the ethical, moral signs of creativity Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives everybody. And then the, the, the perseverance is another sign and everything else. Along with that, you have to be humble, which is another sign. That sign comes through shukr, that you are grateful. And Luqman mentions to his son that we must be grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One of the first keys or the foundations for believing in Allah and to worship Allah is to be grateful. And ishkuru lillah, that we must be grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So once you are doing this, and you finish the job, then you are grateful for Allah's ni'amah. You don't become arrogant and you don't become so uh, high and mighty that you say that I did this 
by myself. You must fall back upon Allah's ni'mah. So you are extremely grateful. Shakur. So one is always grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for any ayah and for any ni'mah. This is the message the Quran gives to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Come here. We'll show you how this works and this is how you observe. And your ummah must do the same. So when this ummah started off, it started off from nothing. They were a small band of people in Medina and they had nothing in terms of the dunya, of military power, of economic power, and even perhaps the ability to spread the word academically. They had with them the nur of Muhammad wasallam, the fadl of Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's And when they went out and they traveled the world, they did what they did because of this ayah. They were persevering and they were resolute, resilient, and they were grateful. They worshipped Allah. And the first thing they did when they reached their destination was to worship Allah and provide means and provisions for the worship of Allah through their madaris and their masajid and everything else. So that's what they did. So we should draw a lesson from what the Sahaba did based on the ayat of Allah. And also believing that it's all Allah's ni'mah, it's all Allah's fadl, and that's how we track our success in this dunya. However, since every journey is going to be filled with danger and peril, and always false hope, and sometimes much more than that, the fear of death. Yeah. However, when a wave overcomes them, and this wave out in the ocean, in the uh, open seas, sometimes they become like mountains, huge clouds. Coverings and canopies all above them and they're in the darkness of the storm and also of the cloud and also of the wave and everything else. Then what happens to their perseverance? What happens to their creativity? What happens to their hope? They all die, basically. And they all, they vanish. They dissipate. So what do they resort to? They start and they start to call Allah purely and sincerely because he is the one who is the owner of the deen, of religion, of petition, of supplication, of dua, and of worship. Now, a human being who does not believe in Allah sets out on a journey. And in the journey, on the journey, there are perils and there are dangers. Allah subhanahu is saying that he forgets that Allah is the one who gave him these abilities uh, to take the initiative, to be creative, to go on the journey, to have hope, and then be audacious enough and brave enough to stand, to set out on the journey. And then Allah sends him a reminder. Hey, don't get ahead of yourself and believe that Allah is still with you. So when that happens, human beings by default gravitate towards their inner senses, and that is the sense of ibadah sense of humbleness, sense of humility. And who do they call? They call Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
and they say, God help me. So they mention God's name. Ba'awullah. They start to mention So now when you're in a predicament. And before, you set out on a journey. You set out on a journey to do good, or you set out on a journey to do evil. When the good happens, you forget Allah. Or when the bad starts to happen or fades away, then you start to call Allah again, I made a mistake. So you can apply this to so many scenarios in life that we would not be able to finish talking about those scenarios today. So in a journey that is good for the right reason and we reach our destination, we say Alhamdulillah. In a journey that is bad and we set out for the wrong reason, then there's Tawbah. What is that? There's Tawbah. Repentance. So there's still hope. Allah says to the sinner, there's still hope. Repent. And then come back to the right path. Which is what Tawbah means. Then Allah saves them, rescues them, delivers them onto the land. And they're no longer at sea. They're now on the, the stable, firm, resting place that is known as land, then some of them, they compromise. Then they forget Allah again. You know, this was through our hope, and we made it. I survived. Right? You know, these reality shows, other types of real life, true stories. Okay, you hear of them, you read of them, you watch them. You discuss them and say he made it or she made it and she survived, he survived. The worst being uh, Allah save us all, protects all, he or she survived cancer. Right. Allah save us all, protects all. So when we delivered them onto the land where the land is now safety. So we deliver them from these predicaments, these perils, these dangers and these life-threatening scenarios which were leading to death they go the other way instead of remembering God a second time they forget instead of appreciating that Allah is the one who helped them through this they forget instead of saying that you know I have made tawbah I'm not going to go back to that sin they forget and they go back to the sin again they become zalim they become unjust so now if you equate your scenario in life with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you'll be on the straight path. But if you equate your scenario uh, with other than Allah, then you're on the batil. You're on the wrong path. And when you're on the wrong path, you'll always suffer because you'll never be content. And that is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. That no one will debate and deny our signs and reject our signs except that one. With those who's, who's going to be a total ingrate, kafur, always in appreciative of what Allah does for him or her, and khattar, someone who's always in a mode of deceiving himself and others to the point of arrogance. So Allah is now reminding the reader of the Qur'an that you have these hikam, okay, you have these wise now lessons, not only in the qida and also in the cosmos and also in the ni'mah, in amat and blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but you 
are the focus of these ayat. You must appropriate these ayat, meaning the words of the Quran, to your life. Only then will it make sense to you. And if you for one moment forget that Allah is talking to you and with you, then you will be ungrateful. He's not talking to me. He's not talking about me. He's talking to my partner here or somebody else. Yeah, I I can use this ayah to now preach somebody else in my family. The Quran doesn't become personal to you. The Quran must become personal to you. What is the Quran saying to me? I have so many scenarios in my life where I just forget who Allah is. Yesterday I was sick, now I'm good. Yesterday I was poor, now I'm good. Yesterday I was uh, uneducated, now I'm good. All of these are ni'mah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You must add on. You must add on the tawheed with your state. And that is, alhamdulillah, I'm good. Allah's fadl, I'm good. There's Allah's blessing, I'm good. If you don't add that on bini'matillah with Allah's ni'mah, then you're kafur. The word kafur, it means ungrateful. The opposite of shakur. Someone who's grateful. So man has two paths. One is the path of being grateful to Allah, for Allah, and because of Allah. The other is to be ungrateful. The ungrateful path leads to kufr which is theological kufr, where you reject and deny Allah's existence also, which is the ultimate plight of the atheist. An atheist will never be happy. An atheist will never be optimistic. An atheist will never never be positive. It's not possible because there's no God there. There's nothing deeper than the surface. It's all kind of skin deep, if that if you can say that. So, for the one who believes in Allah, he takes this parable of a person on a ship who sets out on this journey, incredible journey, on a sea of water where all logic says what? He'll never make it. If you do the risk assessment, the insurance started because of the ships, you know that. Because of these ships, were carrying loads of goods, and that's how the insurance companies started to profit from this risk assessment. If you, if you were to say, what are the odds that this person will make it from this side of the Atlantic to the other side, and say, zero. It's mind-boggling. But through experience, trial and error, and through tajrubah, meaning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave the human being the ability to experiment. So through experimentation and khubrah, and khibra, you develop this expertise through trial and through experimentation, then you say, no, this works. So then sometimes it doesn't work. Right? And when it doesn't work, what happens? So now Allah gives both scenarios where it works, you must say, alhamdulillah, and where it doesn't work, you say, inna lillah. We still belong to Allah. Right? Either way, that is the shukr. Allah is promoting through this, this very simple example of asking man to think about his life as a life on a ship. You are on a ship. Whose ship? Your own. Everybody else, they're supporting you. They're around you to help you, assist you, guide yourself and help you reach the other side, your destination. But you have to navigate your own ship. 
and the odds of you reaching the other end, they are very min- uh, minimal. The odds are stacked against you. How do you get to the other end? If you appropriate your life on a ship with Allah's ni'mah, you will make it. But if you don't appropriate your life with Allah's ni'mah, you will never make it. Why? Because you don't have Allah here and you won't have Allah there. So the, 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 again, the parable of the ship on the, on the sea is in the, Allah knows your actions and your actions on the ship will also determine how you get to your destination. If you start digging holes into your ship, you'll capsize, you'll drown. If you don't navigate the way the uh, you're supposed to navigate, uh, you will not get to your destination, you'll get somewhere else. And so on. So these are all very simple parables, metaphors, similes. Amthal the Quran uses to inform anybody and everybody whether you're the greatest scholar and scientist on earth or whether you're just somebody grazing camel in a desert. It applies to you. This is the ayat Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has elucidated through Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam so human beings know that they do have a journey and they do have a destination. That journey and destination is in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You worship him, you believe in him, you become grateful to him and for him, then he'll get you there. So we'll stop here, inshallah, the other final two ayat. I have a lot of information that we need to discuss at length, inshallah. Jazakumullah khair. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide us through the Quran. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to recite the Quran. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep the Quran with us here in our graves. And on the day of judgment, I mean, Ya Rabbi Al-Alamin, Sallallahu Ta'ala Al-Khir Khalqi Muhammad Wa Ali Wa Sahabi Ibrahim. Ya Rahmatik Ya Rahmatik.